According to an article in Western Horseman, Ray Hunt knew a lot about horses and was a pretty good cowhand by the time he was 30 years old. He started colts, shod horses, and day worked ranches in the Hollister, California area. But then a horse entered his life that opened his eyes to a whole new way of thinking. The horse, a four-year-old gelding named Hondo, had a bucking problem. Ray was quoted in the article with his dry sense of humor. I just wanted to show him in a hackamore class, he said. But about the time I turned the cow down the fence, I'd come back in the saddle bronc event. And you can't show a horse in two events at the same time. All I knew to fix the problem was what the cowboy said, just get a bigger club. Ray was friends with Bill Dorrance and Bill introduced Ray to his brother Tom. Tom showed Ray a few things that helped that horse stop bucking. Many of the concepts Tom used on that big gelding were new to Ray. A year later, Ray rode Honda to first place in the 1961 Working Cow Horse Hackamore class at the Cow Palace. Ray learned as much as he could from Tom over the next few years and in 1971 began holding horsemanship clinics using a mix of the principles he knew and the ones he learned from Tom Dorrance. The pair changed the face of horsemanship forever. Although Tom died in 1999 and Ray passed in 2009, there are many who are working to keep their horsemanship principles alive. Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm John Hare. On today's show, I speak with Ray Hunt's grandson, Jayton Lord. Jayton is one of the participants of the Legacy to Legends event in Fort Worth in March of 2017. Jayton spent summers traveling with his grandparents to clinics and he got a chance to see Ray's horsemanship skills firsthand. Jayton. That must have been quite an experience for you to travel the country with your grandfather. I started traveling with Grandpa when I was probably a freshman in high school. I started my first cult with him when I was like 15. In the summers, I would go travel with him and do clinics. And then when I graduated high school, I kind of went with him pretty much full time. I'd kind of stop, you know, in the springtime and I'd go and I wanted to be a cowboy. So I'd go to Nevada and help those guys on their wagon or go cowboy and then when I was done with that I'd go traveling with them again yeah I had a lot of unique opportunities to go with grandma and grandpa and you know at that time he was just he was my grandpa and I mean I just loved the loved the atmosphere of the clinics going with them I, I really liked the action of starting cults um, uh-huh. had a blast doing that I mean we'd have we'd get someplace and somebody would come off and then so I would get on the colt and ride it around or I mean for a young man or for for me anyways I I had a blast doing it and had and looking back I really I wish I would have appreciated that moment or that time in my life more. Jaden is 31 now and an accomplished trainer although to hear him tell it. I pretty much now I I live on this this little ranch here in Arizona and I mean I kind of do the fake cowboy jobs like uh you, you know I we got, I work cattle, I cut, I do some rain cow horse, you know, do some raining. And then like we do a little bit of ranch roping also. So we'll go gather some cattle. It might take us, you know, 20 minutes or whatnot to go get the cows. But I mean, the cowboy and that, that was kind of tough stuff. Go check water when it's freezing and fix fence oh. when it's hot. And you you never know when your next meal is going to come. I, gosh, it was, it was fun at the time, but 
and sleep outside, you know, in a teepee for a month, I, I kind of enjoy this fake cowboying. The Legacy of Legends is an event that preserves the legacies of Tom Dorans and Ray Hunt. It was co-founded by Ray's wife, Carolyn, and Buck Branneman. Jaden, how long have these events been going on? The event in the past, it's been a cult starting, and then there's been demos done as like people that, you know, not, not so much doing clinics, but are out there making a living or are successful in their events, and they come in and do a demo on what, how Ray and Tom helped them, and so they just do a demo for, you know, for the audience on how they how they go about things like we've had Melanie Taylor come do a jumping she won a gold medal at the in the Olympics and we had Mindy Bauer she does dog trials how it's all related you know it's stockmanship and that and then like Nick Dowers and I have done a cow horse demonstration there Wayne Robinson he's a successful cutter and so is Doug Jordan Doug Jordan I think reserver won the cutting fraternity way back when and and so it just is a different group of people that Ray and Tom were in their lives and they come and do it. And I mean, and then there's also the clinicians who are out there every day helping people with their horses, such as Bob Branneman and, and so many others that, you know, that did take something from Ray and Tom and are out there using it and helping people do so. For this year's event at Will Rogers Memorial Center in Fort Worth on March 3rd, 4th and 5th, Organizers Carolyn Hunt and Buck Brenneman have invited 30 trainers to participate. We're going to do a little bit of a change-up where it's going to be a colt starting, and there's going to be a horsemanship at the end of the day. So there's 30 individuals that are going to come and, and start colts. I think they're going to have five or ten in, in there at a time, and you know, depending on how how they work with each other, they'll maybe start one by themselves, or you know, they might have you know all start them together depending on how they feel about about the situation and you know there will be a lot of variety of how people work with horses and starting a young horse and it should be a lot of a lot of fun to watch and a lot of education going out and then with the horsemanship um, Buck Brandeman going to do a horsemanship and he's he's the best there is at um, you know getting getting that type of horsemanship and even though the public may see a lot of styles of training, the philosophy of Ray and Tom is the foundation. It's not only a great way for the public to see these techniques in action, but it has to be a lot of fun for the trainers to all get together too. Oh, it's a great time. Yeah, and that's that's one of the greatest things about the event. You get like-minded people around, and usually, you know, there's not really one of these out there for, you know, the type of people that that come to it. You know, you might see them, you know, at horse expos or whatever, there'll be one or two, you know, but they might not share the same values or, and like at horse shows, you'll get around those people and they, you know, it's just, you're kind of there for work. And this, this event right. is very laid back. And I mean, it's just a great atmosphere to come out and learn and, and see people that you might haven't seen for a while. I know it's one of my favorite events to attend in the year. A lot has been made about who learned what from whom, Jaden. Ray was already quite a good horseman when he crossed paths with Tom. What was it that Tom was able to instill in Ray? Well, I think that a lot of life experiences help play into how Ray learned, but I think that Tom Dorrance started him thinking about working with horses differently. 
and I think that's huge. I think in the time period when when Ray started off, it was if the horse didn't get it, you got a bigger stick. And Tom, he was under the approach on how to how to get him in a learning frame of mind and go from there. And I think Ray took that information and just ran with it and made it made it into his unique his own little unique deal. So it's hard to say that if he learned everything. I mean, the easiest thing in the world is to go to go to a clinic. The hardest thing is actually putting it into work, you know, because then you're going to have to make decisions yourself and come up with, you know, questions and answers yourself. And But I think that he was a big influence on Ray's life. Do we know where Tom learned his skills? I don't know for any type of fact. I know that there was a older gentleman that Tom worked with as a young man he was on the hay crew and he worked with a lot of team horses or horses you know pulling putting up the hay with the team and i know uh-huh. they really respect him um and then i think that probably tom's dad had a lot of influence on him also how to work with horses and i imagine i i mean what it sounded like to me all those boys the dorrance's boys they all had some type of a knack and tom he was just the one that kind of Oh, I shined a little brighter. I'm not even sure if that's the right word, but it sounded like all those all those men, they were very good hands. It's difficult not being jealous of the skills of Tom Dorrance. His way with horses came so easily, but he must have been the same way even when he wasn't around horses. You were quite young when you were around Tom. Do you remember much about him? I, I just know that he had a knack. I remember when I was, I don't even remember this, but they told me, like I was probably four or five, and I was with my grandma and grandpa. They were babysitting me when when we went over to uh, Tom's house, and Tom would have been in his seventies, eighties. And and when I was younger, I used to pack a rope with me all the all the time. And, uh, I uh, used to rope my dad, and like he'd like fall on the ground, like and ball like a calf, and then I'd give it to somebody, and then go, you know, earmark him or brand him or whatever. And Tom, he never seen me in his life. I mean, he wouldn't know, you know, anything about me. And so I was swinging my rope on the porch, and he was kind of messing with me. He was sitting on the porch, and he had his foot, and he would kind of kick it up, kind of move it up and down. And he'd watch me swing that rope. And he, and they said pretty soon I just reached out there and roped his foot, and, and he just fell on the ground and started falling like a calf. And I guess it kind of stunned me for a little bit. And then I handed my rope to Grandpa Ray, and I walked down the rope, and branded and, and earmarked him and then went went on back but for him to just have that intuition to to do that never seeing me or or you know I just think there's a lot to be said about that to have that playfulness even when you're that you know in that age we talk a lot about our horsemanship skills on the show and how we can improve them even if we are recreational riders Ray would tell his students that he could get more done with the horse if he had them in a teaching frame of mind. Why is that important? What does it look like? And how can someone use it to improve their horsemanship? If you get a horse in a learning frame of mind, you can teach them however you want to teach them. And then so many times, I think what Grandpa and Tom, and I see it a lot, is, I mean, you can force a horse into a situation and they can either rise to the occasion or not rise to the occasion but i think your success rate will go up and i think also that uh the horse will feel better about its job it'll be more it'll be wanting to be with you more or 
you know, enjoy the job more instead of being tied, you know, put in the frame and not have any type of relief or, or yeah. do a maneuver and not really have any type of feeling towards that horse on how it feels about the maneuver. And, like, I think Grandpa had a knack of, and, and your question was, how do, like, the normal person be able to do that? I think if they just kind of, I think the most powerful thing in the world is an idea, and then how do you transfer that idea onto another individual or horse? And I think that's, you know, opening up your mind and trying to get your mind activated where you're going to be thinking about maybe maybe three or four steps instead of, you know, one or just the individual effort at that time and just try. And I, I don't think there's any, and the nice thing about horses, there's not a rule book or a diagram on how you're supposed to go about it. I think if you just, you know, open your mind and there's no endless amount of things that you can do to try to get that horse into a learning frame of mind and wanting to be with you more than anything else. I don't really know the the key to that, so I just keep on going and, you know, working with horses and trying to find it. And it's skills like that that made a man like Ray Hunt such a legendary horse trainer. Yeah, and uh, I I think Dale Harwood asked me one time, he said, do you think there'll ever be another Ray Hunt? And I said, you know, there'll probably be a few better than him and probably not as good as him, but there'll never be another one. You know, and I was just lucky enough to spend a little bit of time with him and I'm really lucky that I get to be part of this legacy of legends and share what they what they taught me and, you know, give you my, you know, life experiences to help maybe somebody else out where they don't have to deal with the same stuff that I went through. You learned a lot from watching your grandfather put on clinics and teaching people. Are are you doing any clinics to pass on what you learned? Yeah, I do a few clinics around the country. I've just kind of started doing that. I did about five or six last year and I'll, I think I'm doing about 10 this year and I really enjoy doing them. It kind of feels like a little bit like going home to me. Mm-hmm. I did that with Grandpa growing up, and I, I really, I really like the working with some a horse or a person, and you see that light bulb click on. I mean, there's nothing valuable than that. So you've seen clinics and the people who came to them over two different generations, one with your grandfather and people today. How much have the people coming to the clinics changed over the years? You know, it's hard for me to say. I think when Grandpa first started the clinics, I think there, you know, a lot of people were using those horses. And I think times do change in the type of horses that we work with now. I mean, when Grandpa first started, if you couldn't ride them, you bred them. Now, like, you don't ride one unless it's your favorite horse. And I think that's really helped the, the industry and you know, dealing with horses that are a little bit probably easier going, you know, but that easier going and, but, you know, you, that's still just helping your chances. I mean, chances out. And I think the the people, I don't think it, it probably has changed. I don't really know if I analyze it that much. All I'm trying to do is just trying to help the, the person or that next horse, you know, at the clinics. It's hard for me to say if it has or not. Because everybody's an individual and, you know, you just got to work with them as individuals. You can't really, you know, go around and say, well, it was better 10 years ago or it's better now. Right. Because I think you'll just get into a a rut. I mean, for myself, I just kind of go along and, you know, try to enjoy each horse or each person or each moment as much as I can because I kind of regret not doing that with traveling with my grandpa. Let's talk about that a bit. 
You got to travel around with your grandpa. Do you have any favorite story about being with him on the road? Man, I I probably probably my first ride with grandpa. He was he kind of rode a horse or he drove a truck just like he rode a horse. He was kind of right on the edge of control and and not and I was I was probably I I was really long like seventh or eighth grade and so I flew to California to give him he was accepting an award at the California Horse Expo. So I flew there and I presented him the award and so we're driving back and it's probably I don't know, probably, gosh, it's got to be 2 o'clock in the morning, and he's got a great big freight liner and a big trailer, and he's got, I don't know, five or six horses in the back. And this is my first time ever, you know, really driving with him or doing anything with him. And I, all I think he's kind of just this old man. And and so and in those old days, the freight liner was one of those little ones. You'd probably see him down the road. and uh uh-huh. They had a box in there that you could shift up and down just by pushing a button. And they also had the air ride seats. So I, we were driving along. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. And I wake up and I look out the window and there's this huge hill. And there's a corner at the bottom of the hill. And it says, I think the speed limit was like 55. And he's going like 65, 70 miles an hour. And I look up and I'm, I'm just thinking, oh, God, he's probably asleep or dead or something. So I... <laughs> I pipe up and I said, hey, are you going to slow this outfit down? And he said, and there's no, nothing comes from that side. And he hits this bump and his seat goes up and down and so did his head, kind of bobbed back <laughs> up and down. And so I'm thinking to myself, oh, great, this, he's, he's sad. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> this is my last day on earth. And so I start saying every prayer I can think of because I know I'm a goner. And um, Grandma, she, she, uh, she goes, are you going to slow it down? And he doesn't say anything. So she reaches over to shift that truck down and he slaps her hand and says, who's driving this thing? And I swear he went about 10 miles an hour faster. And we were on two wheels going around that corner. And oh my God. I was from ever, ever since then driving with him, I was either asleep in the back seat or trying to do something. But, uh, you know, there was a, I mean, there's a lot of fun times of going with grandpa and, you know, I could probably spend hours telling you stories about him. But, I mean, what I liked about him, I, I started quite a few cults with him and quite a few afterwards. And during a three- or four-day clinic, you could ride him, and they felt like they had 30 rides on him. And now I spend three or four days on him, and they feel like they have three rides. You know, he just had wow. some type of a knack that gave you the confidence and gave that confidence to that horse and not even touching it. He He just had, you know, something something inside of him that he could give to people or and he was just an amazing individual what's your favorite part of horse training now it's fun working with a younger horse when that mind's fresh i mean just working with a younger individual i mean they just have a um oh oh just youthfulness and they're excited about everything but you know that mind it never shuts off even when those horses are older or even younger or older people you know, you can still see that brain function and, you know, just watch their body communication and just watch them and, and they'll tell you if, like, if it's never been done to them before or whatnot and they'll, you can see an ear twitch or an eye open up or see that brightness in their eye again. I mean, it never right. dies. It might just be a little harder to, harder to achieve. As we wind this up, let's talk a little bit more about the event. Yes, the public gets to see a lot of great horsemanship. They'll get to see Colts being started, 
but a very important aspect of the Legacy to Legends event is to pass on those techniques to keep them alive. And the event does this by awarding scholarships to trainers. Tell us a little bit about the program. Well, that's the greatest thing about this event is that not only that, you know, us as horsemen get get around each other and, and get to see each other once a year because usually that's about the only time we see each other, but we also raise money for um, a scholarship program. What we do is there's a committee and they select, depending on how much funds they have, I think in the last year, I think they selected about 10 students ranging from here in the United States to Canada to Australia. And what they'll do is they'll send them with somebody that has had their, you know, roots with Ray Hunt or Tom Dorrance, and they get to go spend time with them for, you know, a, a month or two months, depending on what the allotted time. And what's different about this than actually going to work for somebody, when you when you kind of go to work for somebody, a younger person, you're just kind of just working for them and not really maybe not gaining a lot of experience. But with this deal, they put you in the um, seat where you actually do get to go and ride horses and actually learn something instead of just be somebody else's worker. And then the experiences that they do get to have, I mean, it's not usually what they would do on their own, where they have a connection to get in with somebody that sometimes doesn't usually take students. It's a unique opportunity for for somebody if they're looking to get a little bit ahead in the horsemanship or if they're just starting to start out to apply for this program and get get some unique opportunities. Sounds like an awesome event, Jaden. We're visiting Texas this year, but unfortunately, the dates don't line up. We would love to check out this event in the future. We wish you the best at this year's Legacies to Legends. And Jaden... Thanks for joining us on the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. All right. Thank you, and I appreciate you having us, and hope we'll see you down the road. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks to Jayton Lord for sharing his time and telling us about the legacy to legends. If you're going to be in the Fort Worth area in March, you'll want to check this out. You can visit alegacyoflegends.com. To learn more about Jayton Lord, Ray Hunt, or Tom Dorrance, please visit woepodcast.com. I'll have all their links in the show notes. If you know someone who you'd like to hear on the show, drop me a line. Or if you have thoughts on not only this episode, but the show in general, it's easy to contact me. Send your comments or suggestions to john at woepodcast.com. I love hearing from you. Renee and I are going to be in the Austin, Texas area in late March. If you have any suggestions on places to visit, ranches to see, keep in mind we love good music and good food. We could definitely use your suggestions. And for more about our show and the other things we do, visit WoePodcast.com. Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship has over a hundred audio episodes. You can find on not only iTunes, but Stitcher, Google Plus, and everywhere else podcasts are listed. And the best part, they're all free. You can also find a link to our YouTube channel where we have over 100 videos sharing our life and learning about horses. Thanks again for listening to the show and sharing this podcast with your friends. Until next time, for Renee, this is John Harris saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.